Well, it is no secret that the Gonzaga Bulldogs haven't quite looked like themselves this season, heading into a big matchup against Alabama. Theo Lawson of the Spokesman Review is here to help break down this huge matchup on Saturday, as well as Gonzaga's season so far, right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on y'all welcome to the locked on zags podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day i am your host and longtime gonzaga podcaster andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another season of gonzaga hoops today's episode is brought to you by bet online bet online has you covered the season with more props more odds and more lines than ever before bet online where the game starts all right, thrilled to be joined today by Theo Lawson, catching him before he heads out on his flight to Birmingham, Alabama. Theo, huge, huge game coming up for the Gonzaga Bulldogs on Saturday. Uh, I know you got a chance to hear from Coach Nate Oates of the Crimson Tide on Thursday. would love to hear uh, kind of what, what his thoughts were coming into this really exciting matchup. Yeah, you know, obviously a big game for both teams, and, and both teams have played some, some really strong schedules. Obviously, Alabama's coming off to – Two quality opponents in, uh, in in Memphis and um, and Houston a couple days ago, so so they managed to pull out both of those games. But uh, you know, I, 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 Nate Oates talking about Gonzaga today was was saying, hey, they they might they might have three losses. It might look like a worse team on paper. Mm-hmm. But they've obviously played a much tougher schedule than than, than, than even last year and, and, and years before. So uh, he's, he's certainly not taking this team um, um, any lighter than last year. He said this team might be as good as last year's team, but but their, but their mm-hmm. schedule is obviously much tougher. So um, it's it's really kind of tough to, to really gauge either team right now. Obviously, Alabama's the top five team. So mm-hmm. another opportunity for uh, Gonzaga to kind of get back into the win column against uh, against a top 10 team. Yeah, it's been interesting to see, you know, Alabama, obviously, uh, the, the stat that really stands out about the Crimson Tide right now is a stat that I've repeated on, on the podcast already. But uh, the fact that they have beat two number one teams, uh, the first team since Duke in 1965 is the last time that a team has beat two number one ranked teams before January. Alabama, of course, beat North Carolina in Portland. Uh, that was a very exciting but very, very long game of basketball, four overtimes. And then they got that victory over Houston by coming back from down 15. Uh, I think this is a really fun matchup. I think there's a lot of excitement on both sides. For me, one of the big kind of sticking points in this matchup is going to be how Gonzaga defends and handles freshman Brandon Miller. He's absolute star for this team. 19 points, eight and a half rebounds per game. Not a super efficient score, but a really high level player. Uh, And then the other big aspect is just what Gonzaga's secondary scores look like. Drew Timmy is awesome. He remains awesome. But last year, Charles Bediaco and Alabama really kind of managed to hold him down a little bit and prevent him from having a big game. We have seen Gonzaga's secondary scores, namely Julian Strother, Rasir Bolton, be pretty inconsistent this year. I know Strother was struggling with the flu uh, in that last game against Northern Illinois. That kind of contributed to him only playing 17 minutes, only having four points. But to me, I don't see a path to victory for Gonzaga. I'm not trying to be super negative. That's not really my MO, but I, it's hard for me to see a path to victory if if both those guys don't have good games. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, if you look at Gonzaga's big games this year, you know, mm-hmm. Amy managed to step up against Michigan State, and Gonzaga didn't really need a big secondary score in that game because right. there weren't a lot of points scored on, on the air. So, so Drew could score about 20, and then that, that was – Pretty much good enough in that game, but 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 obviously against uh, Purdue, Texas, and, and some of these other big name teams, they, they've they've needed another guy to score up and, and, yeah. and step up and score fifteen to twenty points a game, and and they 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 maybe had uh, Rozier Bolton do it at, at 
certain points and, and maybe Malachi Smith at, at other points, mm-hmm. but but uh, Julian Strother too. So so it, it, it's, it's certainly a situation where they they probably need someone like a Julian Strother to step up, and he, he's kind of been the most likely candidate, and he's yeah. the guy that people are talking about as being a, a projected uh, you know potentially first round pick if he's able to, to, to climb his way into into the first round of the draft. But but he, mm-hmm. he needs to kind of prove that he that he's worth it, and and the, the, this is certainly another stage where where Strother and Bolton and Malachi Smith can can kind of step up, and and, and Drew obviously needs help, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh, some, some of these guys have, have stepped up against the smaller smaller uh, opponents, but certainly against a team like Alabama, you, 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 even if Drew does score twenty five points, it's probably not enough if, if he's not right. their fifteen point scorer. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you 100% on that. And I think it'll be interesting because because you're right, there have been situations where other players for Gonzaga have stepped up to the point where it's almost like we don't know who's going to be that guy game in and game out. I mean, heck, Ben Gregg had 18 against Northern Illinois, which was fantastic to see. Malachi Smith was awesome in that game. Hunter Salas has been fantastic the last few games, primarily on the defensive end of the floor. But we are seeing Gonzaga's second unit the bench players kind of step up and be more contributors than they were early in the year I think as they kind of get more acclimated to their role their situation I know Mark Few has has been very adamant that playing for this team is a privilege it is not a right and for guys like Ben Gregg to earn that playing time and continue to kind of be a part of the part of the mix has been fantastic but you know, it's easier to play seven or eight or even nine guys against Northern Illinois. It's a little bit tougher to do that against Alabama. And I'm curious, you mentioned Malachi Smith already, and I'm sure that he's probably the the top answer here. But I'm curious of Gonzaga's second unit, who you really expect or think needs to step up for Gonzaga to, to pull out a victory on Saturday. Yeah, de- definitely offensively, you, you probably have to go with Malachi Smith. He's, yeah. he's, he's a you know dead-eye three-point shooter. He, he has to make the make the three-point shots in a big game like this. He's, he's going to be playing – uh, closer to home, so so closer to kind of, yeah. kind of, kind of where he was. I, I, th- I think he's supposed to have a few more family members at this game, so yeah. it's kind of more of a home game for him. And, and even, even Rozier Bolton and Efton Reed. I'm not sure how much Efton Reed plays in this game, but but he's he's yeah. kind of another guy that's kind of uh, coming back home ish. I, I guess you could say so. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely Malachi Smith on the offensive end, but but you mentioned Hunter Salas, and I, I think it is a game where. Hunter Salas's athleticism and length really kind of uh, comes into play against a pretty athletic uh, backcourt in Alabama, and obviously a backcourt that we saw last year can can shoot the heck out of the ball. So Hunter Salas is going to have to play some big minutes and, and you know hopefully defend the perimeter a little bit and, and give give Gonzaga a chance to to get some stops and and, and then potentially push the ball in transition. Um, you know, Nato talked today about. Um, Alabama's transition defense wasn't very good against Memphis, and he said yeah. Gonzaga's transition offense is a lot better than Memphis. So if uh, if Alabama has any success, they have to stop uh, Gonzaga's transition offense. So so it's going to kind of be those those two things. And if uh, if if Hunter Salas can kind of cause some havoc and in, in, in Alabama's backcourt and, and uh, defend some three point shots, and obviously uh, limiting those those three point opportunities uh, three point opportunities from Alabama is going to be a huge key in this game. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you 100% on that, Theo. I know that Nate's, Nate O's also talked a little bit about Drew Timmy uh, during his press conference, kind of talked about how he did do a visit out there, uh, was, you know, checked out the campus, obviously chose to came to Gonzaga, and it kind of puts them in a spot where they'd really like to beat him twice. I'm curious if you had any thoughts on those comments from Oates. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was funny that that he kind of mentioned that and said maybe uh, maybe Drew, Drew uh, uh, maybe Drew Timmy Drew Timmy should have should have come to Alabama and then, then immediately backtracked and said no no he's he made a good choice he's at Gonzaga obviously yeah. he's an All American at Gonzaga went to a national championship game I, I don't think Drew is uh, regretting his decision one bit but obviously he was kind of speaking about Alabama's growth the last the last three years where maybe three years ago someone like Drew Timmy isn't looking at Alabama and now they're getting players who who obviously are, are more highly rated and, and recruiting recruiting wise than, than Drew Timmy was in, in high school. And obviously you look at JD Davison last year and Brandon Miller this year, they, they've really kind of taken it, 
that next step has a program and they're, 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 they're not just one or two guys. They're, they're really playing well as a team. And so um, he, he had a lot of praise for Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy scored pretty well in that game last year, but wasn't as efficient as, as we're used to seeing Drew Timmy. I believe he was something like 10 of 19, 10 of 20. So, so they, they did, uh, did a good job of, of kind of holding his efficiency down and, and, and make, making other players score. And, and I, I, I imagine it's going to be the same situation this year with uh, Betty Ako and they, they, they probably have a few options for, uh, for, for uh, covering Drew Timmy and I've seen him once. So, so they, they probably have a better idea how to guard him and, and, and if you can look at some of the games that um you know baylor and xavier have played against drew timmy they, they, they can probably take a few keys from uh, from from teams like that absolutely well theo and i are going to come back in the second segment we're going to take a look at gonzaga more as a whole this season obviously like we said three losses is unusual for this team at this point in the year but uh, this is still a really really solid team and we're going to take a look at what it's going to take for this team to be back in the conversation in march but before we do that I want to talk to you all about Bet Online. College basketball and the NBA are back in action. Of course, college football is getting into their bowl seasons, and the NFL continues through the month of December. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zag, still here chatting with Theo Lawson of the Spokesman Review. Theo, I want to talk a little bit more broadly about the team this season. Uh, I think the biggest story about this team has been obviously the loss of Chet Holmgren and Andrew Nembhard. We knew that that was going to be a tough pill to swallow anytime you lose two players who are the top 31 picks in the NBA draft. Uh, Andrew Nembhard looking like a player who probably should have gone uh, earlier in the first round. He has been fantastic in his NBA career so far. I'm curious, just as somebody, you obviously were around the team last year, been around the team this year, kind of if you have a, a feeling or a sense of, of almost which player they're missing more, because I think on paper, you, you could kind of look at, at both and really see a strong case for, for both these guys and how much it's impacting this team. That's a really, really, really tough question because yeah. uh, both are so impactful. And, and you know, I, I really, I really think uh, the fact that it is a tough question is, is such a compliment to Andrew Nemhard and how mm-hmm. good he was for this team. Because I think if you ask the, the, the casual college basketball fan, which player does Gonzaga miss more? Ninety-nine percent would say Chet. And then sure. we, we both watched this team last year, watched every game, and, and mm-hmm. we know how impactful Andrew was. And and I, I almost think that what what this year's team is missing more is 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 a great point guard. And not to say Nolan Hickman isn't a good point guard, but mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Nemhard you know, four years to become the player that, that he became. And so, so it, yeah. it takes a while to, to develop and obviously develop in Gonzaga system, but um, I, I still probably would go Chet if I had to pick one of the two, I, it, it, it's really hard. But when you, when you, when you just combine his ability to, to stretch the floor on offense and, and something that Anton Watson doesn't do as, as effectively for Gonzaga right. that's a game, Ben Griggs kind of able to do that a little bit, a little bit more, but obviously not the caliber of player that Chet was. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I, I think when you just look at the, the, the defense, the offense, his ability to, to alter, so many shots around the rim, and then and, and basically just changed the way teams played offense against Gonzaga. They they, they weren't taking shots around the rim, and, and so that that allowed um, Gonzaga's perimeter defenders to take more chances and yeah. um, more steals, things like that. So so I, I probably would have to go Chet, but obviously Andrew Nemhard, he 
he's been great in the NBA. He he, uh, he played pretty well against my Warriors a couple of weeks ago, which really didn't make me happy. Uh, but he's been uh, he's been great, and so so I, I think uh, I think he would take either uh, certainly on this year's team. Yeah, well, one hundred percent. It's funny because one of the primary arguments that I have seen discussed about how Gonzaga actually misses Nembhard more is because of Gonzaga's struggles getting out in transition. The transition offense has not been as good, and I think again that's an on paper look of well. They lost their veteran point guard. He was great at getting out in transition. That's why they're worse in transition. And certainly that is an element to it. But I actually think the loss of Chet has significantly impacted them in a transition offense as well because they could kind of cheat a few guys out and get people out running out in transition because Chet had a nine-foot wingspan or whatever and was just gobbled up every single defensive rebound and was very good at immediately getting outlet passes out there. So for me, one thing we saw Gonzaga do, and I think they're going to need to do it in this Alabama game, is you have to aggressively crash the defensive glass, and doing so kind of prevents you from getting out in transition. I'm really curious how that's going to shake out in this game because I do think transition offense is a big key, but at the same time, if you try to cheat out too much and you let Julian get out there and and not crash the glass, you're, you're going to have an issue where Alabama is just going to be gobbling up all these offensive rebounds. So I'm very curious the difference, the Chet and Andrew conversation. It's a, it's unfortunate that it's a big part of the the discourse around this team this year because if they didn't have any losses, I doubt we'd be talking about it, I guess is, is one way to put it. But uh, kind of sticking with that theme and talking a little bit more about this team and the good and the bad we've seen, like for Gonzaga to be in the conversation for a top let's say a top two seed in March, because getting a number one seed is going to be tough. It's not impossible, but it's going to be tough. But if Gonzaga wants to be on the one line or the two line, I'm curious what you think is the most important thing that needs to change from now here, December 15th, as we record this until March, like what, what is the biggest thing that needs to change for this team to be in that conversation at that time? I think we kind of touched on it before is it is just the consistent, the consistency across the board from, from players that that, that don't wear number two. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to have to be uh, Julian Strother playing well almost every game. He, he doesn't need to play well every single game, especially not not, not in every WCC game. Sure. But Malachi Smith, Brazier Bolton, Julian Strother, Anton Watson, all those guys have to be more consistent. And, and Mark, you touched on that after the Northern Illinois game. We, we asked about Ben Gregg and, and Hunter Salison. He said, yeah, they, they've both been good. They were both good today, but it's kind of been up and down, up and down, yeah. where, where he uh, – all those guys have to be pretty solid most games for for, for them to, to, to kind of win out if, if – mm-hmm. uh, if you, I mean, you probably have to come close to winning out to get a one or two seat at this point. Yeah. You can probably afford maybe a loss to a St. Mary's in conference play if, if, if you want, and maybe mm-hmm. a loss on Saturday against a really good Alabama team. But but aside from that, you probably have to win out. And there are there are going to be a lot of really tough games in conference play against teams not named St. Mary's. And this mm-hmm. could be the year that a team like uh, Portland or, or even San Diego or yeah. even Pepperdine, uh, you know, comes up and, and sneaks up and Gonzaga – has a bad night shooting the ball and, and the, the bench isn't consistent. And, and um, one of those guys goes crazy on, on the other team and, and yeah. uh, you know, uh, catches Gonzaga at the wrong time. So, so it's going to have to be more consistency. It's going to have to be consistency from all the starters, not named Drew Timmy. And, and, yeah. and then also the, uh, the, the two or three bench guys that are playing the bulk of the minutes off the bench. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you hundred percent. It's one of those things where, where we've, we see two or three guys seem to have good games alongside Drew Timmy. And we, we just haven't seen very many, five or six guys having a good game. And part of that is the the, the challenging non-conference schedule. Kind of what I want to talk about next is like, this is this was a ridiculous schedule. I mean, there's no other possible way to look at it. Even some of the games that Gonzaga didn't necessarily expect to be playing, like Purdue, Purdue wouldn't have been on paper the the opponent you would think would be 
you know, one of, one of Gonzaga's losses or one of Gonzaga's good losses, but produced incredible. They're a fantastic basketball team. And Texas, of course, has been number one on Ken Palm or number two on Ken Palm for large chunks of the season is still a top five team, even after uh, securing a loss. And obviously Baylor's fantastic team as well. So for me, like Mark Few intentionally went out and was like, we're going to play a we're going to play this really tough stretch. We're going to play Bama. We're going to play Baylor, Kentucky, Michigan State, et cetera, et cetera. And then Gonzaga started a little bit slower. And it's kind of a, a almost a chicken or an egg question for me of like, was did Gonzaga choose, did Marfew choose to play this really tough schedule because he knew his guys were going to maybe need a little bit more uh, of a kick early in the season? Or is it they don't look as good because of how challenging the schedule has been? It's probably a little bit of both, but I'm curious kind of how you think that that has maybe shooken out so far this year. I, th- I definitely think a few of these teams have, have been better than, than you know, Marfew yeah. probably projected when, when, he, when he put this together. Obviously, yeah. Texas probably one of those teams that, that wasn't supposed to be a top five team when, when they yeah. played Purdue yeah. like you mentioned what wasn't you know wasn't a preseason top 25 team and now they're, now they're number one in the country and <laughs> Zach Eady's been the, the probably the player of the year in college yeah. basketball so I, I I certainly think that plays a that, that plays a part and, and obviously mm-hmm. uh, you know even uh, he Mark Few made a comment after the Kent State game so he's gonna get on his scheduling guide because Kent State was supposed to be a team that's <laughs> kind of a, kind of one of the walkover games right, right. they weren't and even Washington yeah Team that, that that has a bunch of power five players. Keon Brooks is a great player. So so they they haven't had any uh, really really soft outs aside from a couple of games. North Florida, mm-hmm. uh, Portland State was a scrappy team. Yeah. And so so I you know I, I I definitely think it's been harder than Mark you expected. I, I I think this is kind of the team that that needs that challenge. And then obviously you hope that it pays off down the road. But but it's hard to tell it's hard to tell right now in, in December whether that is going to pay off. I think we'll have a better idea in, 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 in kind of the first week of the NCAA tournament if, if the schedule paid off, if, if they look ready to play one of these teams in March or or if uh, they're they're just kind of too inexperienced and too too young and, and not not as talented of a team to be able to handle uh, the the test in March. So so I think it's just too early to, to kind of say right now. I think by the end of the year Mark Few will have a better idea of, of whether it, it was a good idea to play all these games or Maybe uh, next year you soften it up a little bit and, and throw a few more home games against uh, you know Ken Palm three hundred teams and yeah. take away some of the Purdue and Texas games. <laughs> well, Theo and I are going to switch gears here to close out the show. We're going to discuss the tragic passing of former Washington State head football coach Mike Leach. Uh, Theo, of course, covered him for a couple of seasons at the Spokesman. Uh, it's a basketball podcast, obviously, but this is a. a pretty monumental moment in sports and certainly in sports in the inland Northwest. So we're going to talk about that in the third and final segment. Before we do that though, a message here from the NHTCA, you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. Okay. It's not a big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so what's the worst that could happen? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel when under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on the roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, segment three here, still Andy Patton, still joined by the great Theo Lawson of the Spokesman Review. Theo, switching gears, like I said, a little bit here, want to talk about uh, the most likely, I would say, the the prominent story in college athletics right now. Uh, there's two very prominent stories, both involving uh, head coaches. One, uh, we, we don't even 
get too far into the Chris Beard situation. I've already discussed it on the show, and it's not really worth uh, airtime because he kind of sucks. <laughs> but I do want to talk about Mike Leach, uh, obviously Washington State football for a long time. I know you uh, discussed uh, on social media a little bit about kind of your relationship with Leach and, and uh, being a new sports writer and, and kind of getting the opportunity to cover a, a very eccentric, very eclectic, interesting, uh, a bit polarizing, I guess is one way to put it, uh, head coach. And I kind of I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you and obviously hearing the news about Coach Leach. Yeah, certainly tragic news. You know, yeah, um, Mike Leach was 61 and by all accounts, you know, fairly healthy. He, uh, he, he always had this cough in his press conferences that you you kind of wondered, is, is there something wrong there? But he always seemed healthy and um, always worked to work and, and um, got, got his miles. And so it, it was a surprise when you heard that he was – Going to the hospital uh, this, this weekend, and, and um, obviously we started to hear what was going on, and it didn't sound very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tragic news. I covered him for three years uh, for the Spokesman Review from 2017 to 19, and three of the most uh, exciting years that that'll probably ever have on any beat because mm-hmm. uh, Leach was the head coach, and then the gentleman every day talking about football, but talking about anything but football too. So, mm-hmm. so three years of that, you always look forward to his Monday press conferences. Uh, he was usually about 45 minutes late, always about an hour longer than your average person because he would start talking about the Geronimo or his favorite Halloween candy or actual battles. And, and, and if anything, I really, really didn't like talking about football that much and, and loved talking about everything but football. So, so certainly an uh, exciting time in my career. And I was yeah. kind of isolated in Pullman, living by myself. And so it, it, it was it was exciting and it was, it was cool to be part of that that run at, at Washington State, and he had some pretty prolific quarterbacks there with Luke Falk and, and Gordon Minshew and Anthony Gordon. So, so a lot of passing records, a lot of fun press conferences, and, and certainly a, a complicated but but uh, a very, very entertaining and interesting person. You know, it's funny for me, uh, in my, my writing career, in my sports reporting career, the first coach that I ever really interacted with on a regular basis was when I was covering the Seahawks, and that was Pete Carroll, 2017, 2018. And, and Pete's an interesting guy, but he's also a a pretty fake guy. And everybody knows that when you cover the team, it's not that he's like outright lying or lying more than other coaches. All coaches lie. That's just part of part of how this industry works. But, but Leach was very much not as much that like, I'm not sure how much he, he, you know, fibbed the truth about players and stuff like that. That's again, part of the gig, but, but he was very authentic in ways that again, were, were sometimes polarizing. He might voice opinions that people didn't necessarily agree with and may come under fire a little bit for that. But I think in an industry where people are, are so often guarded and so often, not necessarily willing to to be themselves, or even if they are themselves, they're just only showing you a little bit. Uh, it didn't seem like that was the case with Leach. And, and I, I'm, I, you've obviously covered covered multiple coaches at Washington State. Obviously, you've covered the Gonzaga coaching staffs as well. Like, how how unique is it to have a coach who who is is willing to be more authentic and also willing to talk about things unbelievably irrelevant to football? Yeah, it's very unique. I, you know. Obviously, a lot of college coaches, football and basketball, especially, are, are very um, ego-driven, and they have yes. egos. And that's their whole life. Football, their whole life is basketball. Mm-hmm. That consumes them. And, and Mike Leach was never willing to be someone who, who let their life be consumed by football. He yeah. traveled internationally. He had a place in Key West that he went to. He he had all these hobbies. Um, yeah, he loved to read. He had, he had a law degree. Um, he taught a class at Washington State for for a semester. So so he certainly was yeah. someone who was was more than a football coach and and I, I really appreciated his authenticity and, and he, he he certainly was very blunt was very honest almost to a fault sometimes and then certainly that that created a lot of controversy around him he, he, he was willing to 
to endorse political candidates in Spokane, and, uh, and that didn't sit well with people. And some of the stuff that he that he shared on social media didn't sit well with people. But but I appreciated kind of all he was, and then you obviously kind of had to take take what you got with Mike Leach because you either had some of it or you had none of it, I guess. So um, I, I kind of appreciated that. And uh, you know, for, for 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 me as a beat reporter, all, all you kind of want to cover is someone who's interesting, mm-hmm. and he's certainly interesting. And then you don't always get that covering covering college football coaches and basketball coaches who who are very consumed by by their egos. And, and Mike Leach was such an interesting interesting person. And um, yeah, I, I talked to Luke Falk, their their quarterback today. I'm, I'm working on a story just about kind of the experiences he had with his quarterbacks. And, and Luke, Luke Falk told me a story about going into halftime at Oregon state there, they were down 24 to seven and uh, 24 to six. And then Mike Leach is, is in, in the coach's room learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone <laughs> won by seven, you know, 17, 16 points against Oregon state in, in Corvallis. And he's learning Spanish and says, uh, it's not a big deal. We're going to go out there and, and, and kick their butt basically. And uh, it, it, it was a little bit more explicit than that, but I'll, I'll sure. leave it anyway. So that, that, that just really, really kind of speaks to who he was. And, and uh, you, you can appreciate someone like that because you don't, you don't get to cover people like that every day. And I could probably do this job for another 40 years. And I, I, I certainly won't come across anyone like Mike Leach. Well, 40 years is probably about how long it might take him to get up to the podium. It sounds like some of his, uh, his uh, legendary lateness with press conferences. I saw you made a joke about Nate Oates being late to his press conference as an homage to Mike Leach. I appreciated that. Theo, uh, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Uh, I know you're a busy guy, obviously, traveling, covering the Leach story right now, so I really appreciate it. Uh, I know that your coverage has been something that Gonzaga fans have really appreciated having uh, for the last couple of years. Yeah, thank you for having me anytime, and uh, appreciate you having me on. And uh, I'll be I'll be on a flight before we know it here at, at 5 a.m. and uh, Friday morning, so um, should be fun and should be a fun weekend. And lo- love all these big games, and kind of sad that we have a uh, just one more of the, the big non-conference games yeah. before we get the conference play. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna feel like it's gonna get a, quite a bit easier after this. The the big games are fun, but I think for my my heart health. Uh, I, if I had any hair, I'd have pulled it out by now for sure, uh, watching this team uh, in the early going. But obviously, we're going to get into a little bit easier part of the schedule, which uh, is going to be nice for, I think, a lot of the fan base. Um, that's going to do it for us today. I want to thank all of you so much for listening to Locked on Zags podcast, checking it out on YouTube if you haven't done so yet already. Uh, we're going to be back next week. Uh, so once again, thank you all for listening and go Zags.